Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. Let me ask you a question this morning. Uh, I often start my sermons with asking questions and, um, and continue to ask questions through them as well. But there are a lot of difficult things in life uh, that you do. Am I right? Or have to do? A lot of difficult things. It's not a tricky question. You can say, mm-hmm, you know. Um, now, if you, had a, if, if you had a think, you don't have to mention it, what has been or is the most difficult thing that you are doing or have done in, let's say, the last six months? Except apart from saying, asking somebody to marry you, you know. Uh, but what is the most difficult thing you're dealing with or had to do? Just think about it. All right, now that that is in your mind. Some people have, 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 have said to me over, many people have said to me over the years, the most difficult thing I have to deal with is to control my spending. Nobody's going like this. Yeah, you don't point your wife now. <laughs> right. Somebody else has said to me, a lot of people have said to me over the years, is to keep balance in my life. And then they normally refer to things like balance between work and play, or balance between work and family time. Now I want to tell you that the Bible addresses somebody, something else, another balance that is extremely difficult to maintain in our life. And hear me out before you say it's not applicable to me, but it's the balance in how to deal with my wealth. I said that in the prayer meeting this morning, and I see some of you are thinking it, what wealth? All right? So somebody actually said that in the prayer meeting. Now, let me tell you something. If you drove here this morning, if you had a meal this morning, and you're pretty well dressed this morning, all of us, then you probably are wealthier than most people in the world. You are in maybe the 20 or 30 richest percent of richest people in the world if that was you and you've got your house to stay in. All right, so, so how do I deal? And the Bible addresses, and James is gonna address, and I'm gonna highlight some things, and, 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 I, and, and let me tell you something. I did not choose this passage. The passage chose me because I'm reading through the book. I'm preaching through the book, okay? So the passage chose me this morning as well. But balance and, and spending wealth, is a difficult one. We read in the scriptures of some very rich people, Abraham, Job, Joseph, Arimathea, and so on. Uh, so so there's, 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 it, it is in the Bible. But we're also reading about poor people in the Bible. And let me tell you, some of the disciples were poor. And I, I can give you the scriptures if you, if you want. Paul himself says so. He says, for your sake, we have become poor. And he's talking about money. And he says, I wish that I was rich like kings like you, but I'm not. And so on. So you can go and read it there. But you know what? There's not only, there's warnings in the Bible. There are rich people in the Bible, but not all of them are. But there are definitely warnings against riches in the word of God as well. A lot of them. And I will highlight one or two to you this morning. I, I, I want to make it clear that if you are wealthy, and uh, in a sense, like I said, we are all, but if you are wealthier than some of us, don't you feel false guilt on you at the moment is just ask God how to deal with it. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 24, Jesus says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. 
Okay, so wealth can be lacquer, but it can bring its challenges. And I'll tell you why it brings its challenges. Now let's go to James chapter 5, uh, verse 1 to 6 I'm going to read. And I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles in electronic form or in paper form to read always with us as we preach. Um, this is what James is saying. This is the Word of God, so it speaks to us. Um, it says here, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth is rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workers have who mowed your fields and are carrying out against you, are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent ones who was not opposing you. Quite a tough passage in, in James, uh, uh, you know, as we read it and as we just follow as we have preached through this book. So um, in James chapter 5 verse 6, uh, verse 1 to 6 as I've just read, it speaks about the problem of having riches and wealth. Now many of us, and, and we do believe it's a blessing, and it is a blessing of the Lord, and sometimes God blesses people more than others with material blessings, and there are, I believe, good reasons for that as well. But, you know, the best thing to do is to stop wondering why the guy next to you drives a new car and you're still driving the old skadong for all of these years. That's none of your business. That's God's, uh, why he does it, that's his business and we may not even ask that question. But the question I want to ask you this morning that I'm going to try and address with you is when does wealth become sin? When does wealth become sin? When are we, according to James, misusing our wealth and actually even endangering our souls? Now let's see what James has to say. Four things from the scriptures. And I'm going to be a little bit repetitive, but that's okay. Uh, uh, I, you're going to get the point. The first thing is that James speaks to us in verse 1 to 3 about hoarding. Hoarding stuff. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. Your wealth is rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are eroded. You, their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Now the question is, what is the last days? I'm not going to answer that at the moment. But some people say we've lived in the last days since the day of Jesus. All right, maybe it's the last days of our lives that they're referring to as well, because it seems like we're getting more frantic about hoarding stuff the older we get, like, like we're going to take it with. Have you ever seen a hearse with a trailer behind it? Probably not. That means that you and I are not going to take much stuff with us. And actually, I want them to, to bury me maybe in my old t-shirts and a pair of old uh, shorts and just give the rest of the stuff away, because nobody's going to see me in that box anyway. And I don't want you to open it. Okay, just, that's just my request. All right, but the first problem that, that, that James is addressing here is, is, is hoarding of wealth. Now, he is probably speaking to non-believers, non-believing Jews, 
at this time more than believers because there was a different attitude in the church in those days as we have read in the book of Acts. But he's speaking, let's say he's speaking to the majority of, of, of non-believers. But the fact that he speaks to them does not mean that this message is not a warning to you and me. It doesn't mean that I can exclude and say, well, it's for them. Because a lot of scripture was written for specific people, groups of people, or even individuals. But it does not mean that there is not a lesson and I cannot take those principles taught for me as well. And it's true to say that scriptures are written, not all scriptures are written to me. But all scriptures are definitely written for me. All right, so that is important. So their riches, interesting, he says, their riches are rotted and their garments are moth-eaten. Now, I want you to imagine how people lived in those days compared to what we live uh, today. In, in, in most of our houses, those of you ma married men will agree with me, there is a cupboard in your bedroom. The man's one is this size and the woman's size is that size. And then half the man's size has got half the woman's clothes in anyway. And then you go, and, and women say, so what's wrong with that? You know, and, and then because, maybe because, no, no, let me not go there. Uh, and then you go into the spare bedroom and you find the other half of third of your wife's clothes and even in the kid's bedroom as well. So as men, we've just learned to accept that. But our stuff hangs nicely there and it's ironed. And if you're like me, you've got a special thing and whoever irons your clothes must fold it over this thing so that they fit in very neatly in your cupboard as well. OCDD or DDA or what they call that disease, you know. But now in these days, what happened is that they probably stuffed their stuff in boxes and put it in their houses somewhere and every now and would go and get their garments out. They didn't have as much as us, but they had. So he's writing to them and he says, your stuff is stored up in those boxes and the houses didn't have as much light and ventilation as ours. And he says, they're rotting, your wealth is rotting. Uh, and you know what it indicates? It indicates that when I go into your house, James says, I will probably find stuff that is there that you don't need and that you're not using. None of you are going to invite me for tea after this sermon, but uh, I may say the same. Don't come to my house. You see, they have much wealth. They have gathered wealth. They have material possessions. But James is saying, it seems like some of the stuff that you have is going to waste. Now, I know and you know that what James is saying about these people is most probably true about all of us. If you have a garage or a storeroom or a kitchen large enough, you will find that when you go into those or in your cupboards, that if you're like me, I go there every now and then and I take stuff out and I reshuffle things and I think, I don't need this. I'm going to give it away to the guard at the gate or to the guys here and the guys over there because I don't really need this. And I know that I can do better there. But that's the kind of thing that I, I'm, I'm doing every now and then. And you know what I find, like you found, don't look at me religiously this morning, Leon. What you find is that when I go into my cupboard, I sometimes find that there is a shirt there that I have bought because I needed it, but I haven't worn it the last two winters. But I need it. When I was, uh, before my dad died, my dad was one of those guys, and I, I should learn from him, that if you'd go to my dad's cupboard or my mom's cupboard, then there were maybe four or five shirts, four or five pants, and that was it. And my dad was a businessman. He said, that's enough, Rulof. That's one different one every day of the week. That's enough. I don't need any more. And my dad was a great giver. And he walked into my cupboard one day and he says, Yuna, you, you've got too many shirts. So I asked him to leave. 
No, no, I didn't. I just said, go and have lunch. I'm coming. I'm going down. Don't watch me dress. You know, so, uh, but, but what James is saying, there's stuff that's going to waste. And, and isn't it true that we think one day I will have need of that? One day I'm going to use it and we store it. And there might be people who actually really have use of it, but just because one day I may use it, I am not giving it away. My father-in-law is like me, who is a, who, who, uh, but, but he, he hoarded far worse than me. All right, so, so we were driving down a four-lane uh, road there in Durban one day, and he said, stop, 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 stop. And I pulled off, and he stopped, and he ran into the road, and he picked up a nut and bolt, rusted one in the street, and I said, what did you do? He says, no, no, you can't go, let that go to waste. <laughs> I said, Dad, you almost killed us, but it's okay. Let's take it home and put it with all the other nuts and bolts in your garage that I had sought the day he died. And you know how I sorted it? This is, and I hope you don't, don't mind too much. Is I just went like this, and I went like that in the back of a bucky, and it drove off in peace, and nobody missed them ever. All right, all right. So anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So, so what we do, my friends, is we accumulate, and we accumulate to the point that we don't even know some of the stuff that we have, and we don't really miss them until somebody scratches and say, "Oh!" and you say, "Yes, I remember this hanky that my mommy gave me when I was 60, 16." But now we use tissues, so you don't need them anymore. But it's there, and you can't. Don't throw that away because one day I'm going to need that. We have so much stuff that we that we actually, if we had to really lose them, you don't notice them. You know, and try this on your wife. Go to her shoe cupboard. And just take a pair of shoes and put them somewhere. Don't throw, don't throw them away. Do not be stupid. Do not be stupid. But put them out of sight. And then give it a year. And then if she does ask, then you, you, you say, no, no, I just kept them for you. I kept them for you. you know. And, but you will find that, they, you know, and so on and so on. There's a, there's a number of those possessions that we have. That we even forget that we have them. You see... Let me emphasize, God has given us all the material blessings that we have. And some have more than others. And that's okay. That's okay. And the quicker you accept that, the less pressure there is on you to want to have what Septi has. Or what I have. Or what you have. It takes the pressure off you when you just say, Lord, I'm happy. I'm satisfied with what you have given me. You see, some of us have bought bigger houses not because we have had more children, but because we don't know how to store all the toys that we've got. So we need a bigger house. Uh, yeah, 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 some of us have done that. The bestest thing that we've ever done, a couple of years ago, as we sold our house and we bought a smaller house, and I said to Cattle, Cattle, now I've got to get rid of stuff. And I had a lovely workshop, a six by six uh, meter workshop with all the tools. Uh, Peter used to say, thank you, Lord, for the tools you've put into ja uh, Rulov's storeroom. And every now and then come and say, Rulov, can I borrow your, uh, the Lord's tools? And then he married a woman who's got more tools than I, I know that she's got a lot of tools. And, and, and so he, he doesn't come to me that often, you see, because Michelle has got the drills and the hammers and the stuff. Anyway, so, uh, so but, but I go in there and I think, yeah, I don't need this stuff. And so when we moved... 
It was amazing. And you know, the temptation was to have a garage sale and maybe make a couple of hundred bob. But the bestest thing was when I gave them away and I saw somebody really had need of it and they said, yes, I needed a drill like this. When I gave my second welding machine away because, you know, I could actually do with one, but I had two. And the person said, yes, thank you very much. That was an amazing feeling for me as well. God has given you those material blessings. But if you overspend like I do, like you do as well, and, and, and you know, it is so nice to get rid of some of that stuff and say, I don't need that. I really don't need that. It's a good place to be in. You see, Jesus talks to a rich fool. Now, Jesus calls, the Bible calls him a fool, not me. In Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 19, and you can go there. Uh, I'm going to read it. Just move that thing on a little bit there. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 19. And, and it says the heading in my Bible says the parable of the rich fool, okay? So uh, some, some, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to de- divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbiter uh, between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. Hang of a lesson that some of us have got to learn. All right, then he goes on and says, and, and then he told him this parable, the ground of a certain man uh, yielded a, an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, I, as a farmer, he must have had places and he's, he's, he's pla- it was probably full already. And then he says, this is what I'm gonna do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus of grain. So he had barns, they were probably full, but now he makes this real bumper crop and now he's gonna break them down and build bigger ones. And then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat and drink and be merry. And here's God's response to this poor dude. God says this, you fool, that very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Oh, folks, underline that circle that you can come back a hundred times, but is not rich towards God. What did the rich fool do? What was his problem? He was hoarding riches. He already had enough. His needs were already met, but he decided bigger and bigger and better, more for myself so that then I can chill. And and let me ask you, when is enough enough? When have I really got enough for my pension? The best thing for your pension is keep good relationship with your children. You can move in with them. They stayed with you all their lives. What's their problem now, you know? So I'm moving, I'm moving into the main bedroom, you know? You know? Isn't, that fant- isn't it amazing when, you, when your kids and they're married? And Pete, you, you guys must see that as well. When they're married and they come to your fridge, your stuff is still their stuff. When you do the same at their house, they say, that food is for my baby. Kids. You know, so I go to the house and I open my kid's fridge and I take an apple and I crunch it in front of them and I say, that's what you did to me all your life and you still do it. You see, enjoy the sound. That's what it sounds like. Make it loud. God gives to us all the possessions that we have. And let me start by saying to you, I don't don't think he minds if we enjoy it. I really don't think so. 
And the issue is not enjoying some of the blessings that he is. That's not the issue. And I, and I, and I, but I'm not going much there today, but I just want to make it very clear that if you, if you have a number of possessions and you're well off, as, as there's no need to feel guilty. There's only a need to, to feel grateful and say, thank you, Father. You have blessed me. But let me tell you something. I believe, and, and here's the, the, the crux of the matter for some of us, that God gives us possessions. God blesses some of us with wealth to further His kingdom. To further His kingdom. And not to build bigger bonds for ourselves, but it's to put it in His bond. The bond. No, no, no. His bond. Okay, to further his kingdom. I love it when I mix with people who have this kind of mindset and say, you know what? I don't need a bigger this and a better this. I just need a bigger heart so that I can pass some of the stuff on. And I believe sometimes God gives you the ability to make money. To, and he does say, he says, I give you the ability to create wealth so that you can pass it on to people who don't have the ability to manage wealth. And you say, I will help you. I will love you through this. And so on. We should, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be great believers, uh, and, and, and this is simple stuff, but it's profound stuff if we get it right. If we give our clothes that we have too much of, and that is good clothes still, to those who have less possessions, and starting in our own family and starting in the family of God and then outside there. It, we know we're living in, in, in economically very difficult times. We know people, are, in terms of work and jobs, it's very difficult and, and, and so on. And I, and I believe that we should be prepared to give maybe the second and the third of the same thing that we have away. Can you imagine if you go to... Instead of accumulating another one, can you imagine if you had go to your neighbor and he, he he's maybe not able to or his lawnmower is broken, he can't afford one, and you have a nice one or a second one and you say, hey, God has blessed me so much. Here's my lawnmower. Take it. It's yours, man. It's, it's a blessing from God that I just want to give. Can you, imagine if, can you imagine if we have a table there over this Christmas period, uh, Andrew, and, and we're just saying those tables are for all the excess stuff that you have in your house. Place it on the table then at Christmas, we're going to just give it away. And not, not rubbish, good stuff. The rubbish we throw away, we don't give it away, we throw it away. Good stuff. Can you imagine what a blessing we can be? I have two. Here's it, have one. Have one of mine. I think that's what James is trying to tell us and the Bible is telling us about generosity. You see, we have people in our church you can do with some financial assistance. They're hardworking people. Both of them are working and are just not making it. And, and, and there's some of them that can, can, help, can be helped by us. Have you ever thought, maybe, and now, now you're going to get nervous, is have you ever, th I don't know, not all of us, some of us are going to receive a bonus this year. And that is something we, a lot of people say, I don't get that anymore. That is like uh, a wow when it happens. Can you imagine if you go to and you say to the Lord, you know what, Lord, I don't really have need of this bonus because all my needs are met. This I want to give away. Yo, 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 yo. We're going to make some people happy that are in real need. Don't get nervous. That is just a thought. That's not what we are going to do necessarily, all of us, but it's just a thought. How about... Investing money and reaching the lost rather than in more stuff that I don't really need. Uh, you know what? I'm checking my heart. I'm reading this and I'm preparing the sermon. I keep saying, the Lord is saying to me, you know what? It's not like this. It's like this. You know, deal with the stuff. 
you know, be more generous, Ruloff, and I think I am fairly generous. Be more, be more generous, Ruloff, uh, and so on. You know, I think, I think if we could be like that, we will please the Lord here in this passage and, 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 and be obedient here. So as give, reach the last. Um, could it be more valuable to reach souls than have more possessions? To reach more souls and having possessions, wealth, that is going to burn up one day, be destroyed or be used by your children one day. As I've said, give to your neighbors some, some stuff maybe that you don't need anymore. You know, one of the things that I love about our church is we spend a lot of resources in reaching children with the gospel. Come here on Friday nights and see a couple of hundred of kids here being reached. You spend a lot of money on those resources. We spend money on resources teaching our children over there in the kids club. We're spending money on resources going to schools. We have a, a lady here that, that goes with schools and we want many more. It's my heart's desire that we have a, a chaplain in every school uh, and, and financially support those people and so on. So we do do a lot. Can you imagine if we're saying there's enough money here to do that because this is our heart. Um, we we, we, we want to reach the lost more and we have reached the lost uh, through different avenues this year as a church. But can you imagine if there's enough resources to say we're going another outreach or we can do more, we can plant another church as well. We spend money in helping pastors of churches who can't afford, their churches can't afford to have them. We spend money on some missionaries in South Africa and outside of missionaries. And I think we can do better. I think I can do better as well in taking some of my resources and giving it away as well. We want to preach the gospel more in this community and be more active in this community. And all of this, friends, take money and efforts and some of the stuff that I have hoarded to just give it away as well. Instead of buying another possession, that I really maybe don't need, that maybe will just let my cupboard overflow, why will I not give it to my church or to my community where there is need? See, James in this verse 3 says this. He says, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. <laughs> this is tough stuff to deal with. It's hard messages. You're, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. And then Jesus himself, not just James, which is the word of God, but Jesus says, do not store up for yourself in Matthew chapter 16, 19, 20 to 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break up in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So where is my treasure, Lord, I am asking? Between James and Jesus, which is the Word of God, in the Word of God, we are, are warned not to invest all our money in this world, in treasures that is obviously more often for me than for somebody else. Our treasure should be in the kingdom of God. You see, what good will these earthly treasures, I've said it twice already, what good will they be, James says to us, in judgment day? Should we not be more careful, the Bible says, to invest stuff, money, in stuff that will disappear and maybe even be held against us? The second thing, apart from hoarding that James mentions, and I'll go quicker through these, is defrauding. 
And he said, Rulof, I don't know if I do that stuff. It's maybe you don't own a business, but maybe you need, know of some people in, in James chapter 5, verse 4. It says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. In other words, what God is saying, what James is saying is, you know what? The cry of the one that is underpaid by his master, the righteous, is, is, is reached the ears of God. And God's judgment is about to fall against those who underpay or who don't pay their workers. That's what James is saying. James is identify, also identifies those who gather wealth by defrauding others. In other words, dishonest treatment of others with the intention of gaining more money. James is picturing not a generous person here, but a person who's even squeezing the last dollar out of his employees so that he is better and more enriched, even to the point of robbing them. Robbing what is due to them as well. Some of us are squeezing money so tightly. We're holding on to it. If someone works to us, they must be given what is due to them. A person cleaning your house, minimal wage. I don't think, rather don't have them than give a minimal wage. Give them a wage that is due to them. A wage maybe that you think is, is more than fair. The Bible says don't cheat your employees. Don't cheat them. The waiter, the waitress, the gardener, that work hard. Pay them what is due to them. Another thing that, that is somewhere else in Proverbs as well is don't pay your workers late. Don't pay them late. You know, the guy that's working for you there in, a, in an unskilled position needs that money much more than anybody else. If you pay him late, you put him in a very difficult situation. The Bible tells us there. You see, and another thing that I think that Christians do and people do is they borrow money from fellow brothers and sisters and even the world and they have no intention to pay it back. My view is if you know you can't pay it back, don't borrow it. Suffer on your own. But don't let another person suffer because of your irresponsibilities. We had to deal with stuff here in church where people borrow from other believers with great intentions and, and, and six months, a year down the line, we sit in counseling sessions where the brothers want to... Uh, you know, show, demonstrated one another uh, the, five, the fivefold ministry kind of thing, you know, and say, let's sort this out the, the unbiblical way here yeah, now. Nah. You know, we've had enough of, of, of I want to do the Bible way, but you don't want to do the Bible way. Let's do it the world's way, you know. So uh, pay people back what you owe them, and if you don't, can't, don't borrow from them. Further, when we talk about defrauding, are we not defrauding God according to Malachi as well? We're tightly grasping our money, our money, my money. My wealth, I, I often say that in the spaces, we often say, can you imagine if every person at the barn paid their tithe, which belongs to the Lord? It belongs to the Lord. We can argue it away if you want, but you can't argue it away because it's in the Bible. Old and New Testament. And can you imagine if we all did that? The greater impact we could have on this community? And when we talk about tithe, we talk about attitude. We talk about heart. I consider, and I want you to consider all the time and say, Lord, am I really as generous as your Bible tells me to be? Am I willing? Or am I tightly holding on to everything that I have? The third thing here, and then I've got one more quick, 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 is self-indulgence. Like I said, sometimes I will, 
maybe repeat what I've already said, but self-indulgence in chapter 5, verse 5, it says, you've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You see, the third way we sin, according to James, is self-indulgence living. Uh, and, and, we, we, and, it, and it's a fine line, my dear friends. Listen, it's a fine line, and it's different for everybody. We are commanded to enjoy the first fruits, and I've said that already. What God has given you, what God has blessed you with, enjoy it. It's your labor. You, you, you're getting a reward for your labor. However, there is a point where enjoying our wages crosses the line of self-indulgent living. It's just me, mine, more stuff that I don't need. There is a point where we cross into excess. There is a point where we cross from enjoying life as a Christian to putting our hope in finding pleasures in material things of this world. I know people who feel a bit depressed and they go and buy something. And they're up a little bit. But you know what? Tomorrow you're down there again, and so on and so on as well. Is, stuff does not give us real enjoyment. It is Jesus alone. I don't believe I can tell you or you can tell me where that line is and when I cross that line. That is between you and the Lord, completely between you and the Lord. And that is where you've got to search, and I've got to search my heart and say, Lord, when have I crossed there? Am I crossing this line of, of just having enough and enjoying enough and enjoying the fruit of my labor? And self-indulgence. You tell me. You tell me, Lord. I'm not going to ask you to tell me. You tell, you tell me whether I'm crossing this line, Father. Because I'm not the judge and you're not the judge of one another's spending and, and so on as well. And, and, and I'm only the judge of my own. Because of my own heart. You see, because I believe that we, and it's true, we're all making different amounts of money here in church. All of us have different needs and responsibilities as well. All of us are in different places in this financial spectrum. All of us can live, I believe, though, with less. I believe it. All right? We don't want to judge one another this morning based on the cars that we drive. Or maybe the houses that we live in. Or the suburbs that we live in. Or the TV or the amount of TVs in our house. We are not here to judge one another. And I can't come in your home or you can come into my home and say, uh-huh, self-indulgence. That's my business between me and the Lord and yours between yours and the Lord. And you may well come into my house and think yesterday, but you, you, you are well off. And I may be better off than you, but others may be better off than me. And you may be better off than others when you look at me, better off than you may be. And that's unfortunately, that's real life. That's the issues and so on. But, it, I, but the question again is for myself is when is enough enough? When is enough enough? And you know who must answer that question? For yourself, you. You yourself must answer it. You know, but when I listen to, to James in verse 5 here, I listen to this and it says, you've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. That scares me. That scares me. You know, I, I've, got, I've got an app that I every now and then delete, but it gets itself back onto my, uh, onto my phone every now and then. It's called Take A Lot. Man, and has it taken a lot? It has taken a lot. It's the right thing to describe that app. Take a lot. It takes a lot from you. you know? It takes a lot, a, lot, a lot of money and a lot of stuff. And every now and then I, I check myself and I say, do I really need this gadget or this thing? Have I not? 
And then I delete the apps from on as well as I'm a fist for the app. You know, you're making me sin, you know. And then somehow it just finds its way back on my phone and I've got to delete it again because it wants to take some more. Uh, maybe there's a, take a lot and then it's take some more. Maybe there's another app that some of you can design as well because that's what it does. Is, is are we consumed with our pleasures and I've got to feed those pleasures all the time? Do we close our eyes to the needs of brethren and people around us? You know what James is saying? Listen to, listen to, you guess, what is he comparing us with? And I'm not saying you. What is he comparing us with when he says you are self-indulgent? And let me get that verse quickly here. Um, you have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. What do you think he's, he's comparing us with? With cows and sheep. I don't, you know, James, I'm going to speak to him one day, don't call my wife a cow, you know, that's not very good, you know. So, but, but he says, you're like cows and sheep, you're just fattening yourself for the day of slaughter. He talks about it, this is how we, with earthly possessions, I mean, I find it quite straightened down the line. We've indulged ourselves, fattened ourselves, and then for the day of slaughter and judgment, where God will say, did you think, Rolf, you can take this stuff with you in heaven? You don't need a tumble dryer here, or a second one, yeah? You don't need a third car here or whatever. You, or you, you, just, you just need me and that's all I'm going to be to you. Hoarding, defrauding, self-indulgence. Last one. Then we're done. Is oppression. James chapter 5 or 6. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. The final picture is that our desire for wealth and stuff can sometimes hurt and oppress other people. Our desire for stuff can hurt and oppress other people. And I may step on your toes, but I've got to tell you, I believe what I'm saying is correct. In the last 25 years in this nation, we have seen enough of this greed and oppression of people who are greedy and stealing from the innocent. And the man in the street, South African Airways going under, why? Because of greed at the top, I believe. And stealing. And now the guy who's working and cleaning the planes. And the, guy who's, the, the lady who's serving on the planes has not got a job because of greed and theft. You know what, voters? It is a time that we say, no more. Because what we are doing by voting them in is we're just voting these looters into power all the time. And I'm not saying they're all like this. There's unfortunately always a handful that spoils the whatever. ESCOM, our hospitals, our schools, our municipalities. It's not always mismanagement. There's not always a lack of understanding how to manage it. It's often greed. People filling their guts. Secondhand Mercedes is not good enough for me. Yo, 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 you can give me a Mercedes any day. Whether it's third hand. These abuses often lead to the poor and the needy, James is saying. You have condemned and murdered the innocent ones because of your greed. And they're not going to oppose you because they're just saying, I'm not going to lose my job. I need something. I'm not going to oppose you. James has been pretty tough on us. The Bible is pretty tough on us today. But I wonder, when we place our hope and wealth and in riches, if we're not putting ourselves in danger. James says we sometimes put ourselves in danger of being burnt in the fire. Timothy, 
First Timothy 6 verse 17 says this, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, for which is so uncertain, but put their hope in, the, in, in, in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let me end by saying as well, everything you have, God says, I want you to enjoy it, whether it might be that or that. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. There's no problem with that. But don't put your hope in it. And I've said this before, but many years ago, a businessman came to me and, and he was just sharing with me the blessing of all his wealth. And he was wealthy. He was really wealthy. And I told him, but let's call him James. I said, James, just keep your hand out like that. And he went like that. He looked so sort of strange at me. And I said, James, put all your wealth in that hand and then give it back to God. Because James, what happens to you if God takes it from you? Because it's his. He gives it to you. But then he can take it probably as well, if it is his. So he held his hands like this, and he says, Lord, I give you all my wealth. I hand it back over to you. Four years later, the man was bankrupt. And you know what? You know what? Let me tell you, the, the story gets better. Because during his years of bankruptcy, and he has not recovered, he has not got his own house, and he doesn't own his own car. He owns a little Ford Bucky, Bantam Bucky. But he says to me, I've never been so rich in my life. I've led more people to the Lord. I've prayed more. I've read his word more. I have been so bold about my faith in Jesus. That stuff that you told me to hold when God took it, it bothered me, Rulof. My, my wife wanted to divorce me, Rulof. But today I'm selling, telling you I'm richer than I've ever been. Oh, I loved it. I love that story. And somehow deep down in my breath, I said, Lord, don't do that to me. <laughs> Don't do that to me. But may I take it and say, Lord, everything I have is yours. This heart belongs to you. That's the most important thing. Hoarding, defrauding, self-indulgence, and oppression of other people because I want more is condemned in James in the Bible.